Welcome to Video Gameography, everyone. Game Informer's number one video game history podcast where we laugh and we learn. My name is Marcus Stewart. I am joined, as always, by John Carson. Hi. I am uh, terribly sick right now, so excuse me if I sound like I have a frog in my throat all episode. I hope you're not sick of these awesome super giant games that we've been talking about in Never. season five. Of no, course they, not. They, they need to make more. I, I think that's that's really the cure for this disease. Is more is, super giant. Is more super giant. Yeah. yeah if, they, if they made a fifth game, then I'll, I'll be all better. There you go. You listen to super giant. You could save this man's life <laughs> by announcing your next game uh, as soon as possible. Yes, we are in uh, episode three of our series on super giant. We have talked about the making and narrative of Bastion. We talked about Transistor last week, which was a really fun episode. And now we've moved on to their third title and possibly it's weird. I feel like we said this with Transistor 2 of like, this is their weird title, but I guess maybe this one maybe fits the bill better. Uh, we're talking about Pyre today and we are joined by former MinMax cohort, former Game Informer associate editor, and now current video game consultant, Serial Vasquez. Hello, good sir. Hello. Thanks for having me. I, I I also agreed that Supergiant should make another game. So that that would be my professional Marcus, advice to them. Marcus, to make what do another you think? Game. Uh, we have two votes for making a new game. What do you think? I yeah. I mean, in my professional and I guess now medical opinion, uh, for the sake of your health <laughs> and I guess the health of the the video <laughs> game industry too. Why not? Maybe we get that this summer. You know, we got uh. A month away from a bunch of summer announcements, maybe they show up and they're like, hey, here's our thing. Surprise. Wait, what if it's a hospital sim? And then it just cures everything that ails people in the video game industry. I'd play it. Yeah. Into that. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would you guys would you guys uh, cover that whenever it came out? Or like how, oh. how, how would that work when there's a new title released in a series you, you guys know, are covering? So far, we've always done it where the, the times there have been a new game's it, it, it has come out in the beginning or we already decided on a season. So we'll talk like we had a, a Metroid season right when Metroid Dread was coming out. So, you know, which was by design. And we did the same thing with Halo and we talked about Halo Infinite. There hasn't been one since then. I like to think that this series has a bit of a law of attraction going on. And this will, you know, we'll right. just... This will will the new game into uh, Yeah, existence. or maybe Supergiant is listening to this series and they're like, wow, we love this. We want more episodes, but the only way that happens is if we give them something to talk about. Yeah. Let's <laughs> we have to make a new game for this podcast to cover. That's, uh, we were going to do something else as a game studio, but we decided that instead we're just going to make a, a game. It's a symbiotic relationship, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how it happens, as long as it happens. Yeah. So yes, Pyre. A very interesting game a game that i love which sounds like a boring statement because i've said it every episode that i love all four of super giants games uh they're like four children that i love mostly equally uh <laughs> but love <laughs> hades is mine that's definitely a way you can talk about your yeah, kids it's like, too. hey i love you kids but then you pull one aside in this case it'd be hades and be like i actually love you the most though. you're don't, my favorite don't, don't tell you oh. <laughs> or you pull them outside and say you need to shape up if you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna keep around this house. Love. you gotta earn it <laughs> i want to yeah. see the season of succession <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah this was a you know this was a really interesting game for them uh serial when i asked you to be on the show i was surprised because i specifically reached out to you for Hades, I remember listening to you on the Min Max show 
and hearing how much you loved Hades. So I thought like, oh man, it's a slam dunk. He's probably going to want to talk about Hades, right? And you said, nay, sir, I want to talk about that pyre. And I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think pyre's definitely like, I think part of it was Hades feels like it's been given its due diligence by basically everyone. You know, it seemed like the closest to uh, the, like an indie game of that scope has ever gotten like, uh, pretty widespread uh, critical acclaim in terms of like it was game of the year for multiple outlets that year, uh, and so uh, that versus Pyre, which I feel like, like is criminally like untalked about as like a game that explores a lot of interesting things that I like about video games and is really successful at basically all of it. Um, but you know, I, I I don't think people talk about it as much. It's it's for whatever reason i think something to do with their engine it's not available on switch so i th- i think it just has overall less exposure since it's i think it's only available on pc and maybe ps4 um but yeah it, it doesn't it, it is not as widespread um as hades was because hades was definitely like um super giants kind of breaking through in a way that um i think they they entered the mainstream with that game in a way that you know i i followed super giant games pretty closely since their inception so it felt weird to see like everyone's talking about this super giant game uh and by that time i was like yeah i you know one of the best developers already yeah i know this already like i've played pyre uh, and everyone should so i i wanted to kind of talk about some of their uh lesser talked games so that's interesting all right thank you cereal that's uh I mean, I, you know, if we're going to go around and just talk about our brief history with Pyre, I th- love this game. Uh, a lot of it is because it is such a weird amalgamation of genres, and but like genres that I love because like it's basically NBA Jam crossed with Oregon Trail crossed with like, uh, I guess like a visual novel of sorts. Uh, I, it was one of those games like I didn't, I only, it's the most like, I'm playing this because I love Supergiant, even though I I only kind of grasp what this is, but I love the studio, so I'm going to play it no matter what. And it was a little bit of a slow burn, cause it, but it wasn't until, you know, you get to that first, to the first rights, which is the, the weird magic space basketball, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, that I was like, okay, there's this is pretty cool. There's something here. And I think more than any of the other games, or at least... Up to Hades, this was the game that really got me invested in the characters in a way that their like uh, Transistor and Bastion didn't. I love like the kid and I love Red in those two games, but this one is so character focused, and you know the decisions that you have to make and the the arc of each character. It like that pulled me in in a way that none of their games had, and also served as an important building block for what they would do in Hades later on. Uh, so I think it's you know. And like we'll get into the studio even said like this, this game walked so that Hades could run more or less. Uh, so I'll always appreciate it for that. Uh, John, I know you you started playing Pyre relatively recently, right? I don't know how far you got or what you can. Yeah. What your thoughts was, on so far? It was about like fourteen hours ago. <laughs> I played a couple hours of Pyre. Um, I bought it back when it came out and never touched it for whatever reason. Um, I, I just wanted to support Supergiant because I liked what they put out before. Uh, but, but something happened back when this released that it just kind of like got swept away, uh, in my backlog. And so I was playing it last night and I, I mean, this, this might be something you could say about every Supergiant game, but like, this is 
super unique in like its visual style in uh its presentation in uh obviously the different characters that you meet like it has a completely different vibe from everything else that they've done and i i know that if you listen to every other episode of this of this series um that's gonna be the the thing that we kind of say about each of these games but like more so than than the other games i th- I think that this has a very special feel um and and a cool unique aesthetic um that that's really drawing me in i, I really want to get back to playing more um and learning the intricacies of the rights and how to be more effective on uh the the basketball court <laughs> Yeah, how many uh, games did to, you play of the? I played two or three. I want to say. Okay. I th- I think I did like the the tutorial one and maybe the first two rights. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. It's good though. I I I really like what I've played so far. <laughs> um, and we'll I we'll get into it when we talk about development and stuff. But like, it's nice having more than one character that the game's focusing on. Uh, and like learning more about the world and, um, there's a lot of cool. Uh, a lot of cool little tricks to help you learn like keywords in in the the lore and the world, so like people don't really need to explain it to you. You can kind of learn on your own. Yeah, I yeah, I know what you're talking about for the uh, mm. the way they highlight keywords and stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. So yes, before we dive into the making of Pyre, let's uh, do some table setting here. As we look back on the year that this game came out, which was 2017, uh, we've talked about this year before, uh, pretty recently actually, because it's one of the best years ever. I think I think it's one of the best years of the 2010s. I think we've mentioned before that it probably rivals 2010 the year as maybe the sh- strongest release calendar ever. Uh, some of the other big games that came out this year was, of course, the game that I think spawned all modern video games, which was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, we also got Super Mario Odyssey this year. Horizon. You mean not, not PUBG or Fortnite? Those are the, the, uh, the other games that spawned every every video game today. Yeah, it was just those two games. All we get these days are, are the Fortnites and the, the Breath of the Wilds. <laughs> uh, but yes, now Pub- we must marry them. <laughs> oh, man. That's what Zelda, that's what Breath that's basically every game now is, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's, I was going to say, is that Genshin Impact? But no, that's not really uh, a <laughs> multiplayer thing. But, uh, uh, you know. Where we dropping, uwu. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, also this year, we got uh, Resident Evil 7, Biohazard, Horizon Zero Dawn, Cuphead, Nier Automata, Persona 5, the original Persona 5, Night in the Woods, What Remains of Edith Finch. It's a real who's who of uh, great games this year, uh, Pyre being among them. In terms of some of the big movies, if you're into that stuff that came out this year, we got the best picture of the year, which was The Shape of Water. Which is a movie I enjoyed. Did you guys see The Shape of Water? That yeah, it sol- sol- that was one of the more solid uh, picks by the Academy that I can remember in recent memory. So, yeah, pretty excited that that won Best Picture. Kind of surprised. It didn't feel like a like a typical uh, Oscar winner, but that was one of those years where you kind of go, huh, okay, sometimes they make the right choice. All right. <laughs> you got the serial stamp of approval. Yeah. Yeah, directed by Death Stranding's own Guillermo del Toro, I believe. Really, you know, it's good to see him branch out, get those big roles. Uh, other big movies were uh, Blade Runner 2049, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, 
Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Wonder Woman, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, which I think everyone loves, mm-hmm. Get Out, Coco, Mother, exclamation point in the title. So I think this was actually a really strong year for movies, too. When I was looking at this, I was like, man, this was yeah. like a good entertainment yeah. year. I like a lot of these movies. Uh, yeah. So. It's funny that a lot of it is, uh, you know, that we're talking about kind of like best contenders. Because I definitely remember my experience of playing Pyre was in relation to that. It was one of those games that I, that I, I think it was similar to John where I bought it on release just because out of support for a Supergiant. But it got to the end of the, of the year that I... I hadn't played it until the end of the year. And so I was, uh, uh, you guys probably know this, but like, uh, Game Informer kind of asks for your list a little bit ahead of time because it's going to be published in the magazine, right? So yeah. I, they had like, okay, by this date, you have to lock down your, your top tens. And I was playing Pyre. Uh, I was like halfway through Pyre when it was kind of coming up to that deadline. And there were so many other games that I, uh, was playing and was kind of putting my list together. And I think I was two thirds through the game and decided like, I don't want to, I, I think I like it more then I'm going to give it credit for. So I, I had it at nine on my list uh, at the end of the year, but that was because I haven't finished it. And I have a, I had like a thing about like, well, I don't know if this game just completely botches the landing or like, you know, who, who knows if maybe I'll regret it. So I just, I kind of couched my bets by placing it at number nine and then, you know, the deadline passed and then I beat it. And I think at that point I maybe would have put it second or third. Mm-hmm. And like at that point, the competition was like breath of the wild was my number one. And my number two was Wolfenstein, the new Colossus uh which were two two of my favorite games of that generation for sure and i think pyre would ended up competing in that level of like this is one of my favorite games of the generation wow um in 2017 which speaks to how strong that year was for every like it seems like everybody got something that they were that passionate about you know yeah those top 10 lists can be tricky i had the exact same thing happen to me last year with inscription where I got to it a little later and i played enough to know that it was going to make it like i'd gotten to the first real twist of the game and was like okay i'm definitely going to finish this so i only put it at number 10 on my list because like well i still don't again like you said like i don't know if this is going to crash and burn <laughs> at this point and now when you finish you're like oh i probably i wish i could have bumped this up a little higher because i really like this uh it's it's sure. it's tricky trying to get all that stuff crammed in by by that deadline you know because a lot of times games are still coming up past it like halo did last year and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah, and in terms of general news stories this year, uh, yeah, this was the year uh, in terms of games that the Switch launched on March third, and we are still living in a in a Switch lifetime. <laughs> it, yeah, it's been a long it's time. Still <laughs> one of the longest generations I think we've had in a console for a console. Well, one of the generations that felt felt yeah. the longest for sure. Without a like a major revision by now, we would have. I mean, we've gotten the. Um, the OLED switch, but that doesn't seem as significant even an upgrade as like anything else they've released aside from like the Wii U not having any major revisions. Like you have DS lights, you have, you know, the, I guess the, the Canadian Wii that was like the top loader, I think the, the, the coolest Wii, got, Wii got, that oh, was yeah. ever made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I feel like every Nintendo's constant gotten a major revision except the, the switch, which like the OLED doesn't feel like it, it. It doesn't feel on that level, even though I did end up getting one, but Yeah. Can you consult with Nintendo to tell them to speed it up over there? Or do you have that power? I can definitely just say publicly that they should do that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Public consult. <laughs> yeah. Because then it's more pressure because everyone sees they it. got that one for free. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this is also the year kind of piggybacking off of that, that uh, global production of the Wii U ceased for good. The Wii U was officially uh, taken out back and got yeah, his head blown off with a shotgun. <laughs> 
we'll kill your uh, digital store later, but for now, we, we're going to take your body, and then we'll rip out your soul. <laughs> exactly. That's, I think that's what they said in the meeting. Yeah. Uh, so Tori Wanda said that. Was <laughs> <laughs> I read that in his book. Uh, yeah. This is also a year that we lost uh, a game that never actually saw the light of day. That would be Scalebound, officially canceled in January of that year. So we kicked off the year with... I guess a little bit of a, a gut punch for if you were looking forward to that game. I was. I, I like Platinum, yeah. and it looked interesting enough that I, yeah. I kind of wanted to <laughs> see what that would look like. It. <laughs> yeah, it's Devil May Cry with Dragons. That Dragons with headphones, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we could have, man. <laughs> dragons and Beats. It, it's relevant now, because now uh, Kamiya's talking about wanting to bring that back somehow. Uh, we'll see if that ever happens. Should have finished but. it in the first place. Come on, man. <laughs> a little throwback to our Bioshock series. Irrational this year officially rebranded themselves to Ghost Story Games, where they are hard at work building le- narrative Legos that we will see one day? Question mark. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll see how that goes, but they're definitely been uh, keeping that a secret for since then. <laughs> <laughs> it's been about what five years summer games fest this year he's gonna be on ken levine takes the stage <laughs> it's all ghost games edition it's just <laughs> three days of ghost games he joins keely's illuminati of developers and we finally find out uh i'm just noticing man just another big cancellation as well as a closure this was the year that visceral games was shut down by ea and with them went that weird Project Ragtag Star Wars game that Amy Henning was working on that we saw maybe like a handful of concept art of. And that was it. The developer that gave us Death Space and Battlefield Hardline, if you're into that thing, uh, gone forever. As with their Star Wars game, of course, Amy Henning now with uh, Skydance just announced that she's uh, her team are working on a Star Wars game on top of that Marvel game that they announced before that we have seen neither of. Um, so, you know, she's bounced back from this <laughs> since she's doing all right, but yeah, that was a, that was a big bummer for me. I was, I love this role. I love Dead Space specifically. So I was like, oh, that's, <clears throat> that sucks. If only Hardline had not happened. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting though, that basically all of their threads, I guess, like the Dead Space is coming back. We were getting another big narrative Star Wars game headed by Amy Hennig. Like all these loop, all these threads are coming back around just now, and five years later, right? Yeah, nature's healing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least, uh, speaking of things that are also been canceled, at least recently, uh, E3 2017 was the first year that the ESA decided to open it up to fans, which was as someone that was there in person, you might have mm-hmm. been too serial. Yeah, that I think E3 2017 was actually my first E3. Okay, it was my second. Were you there, John? No, I haven't been to an E3 since like 2010, but there were surprisingly a lot of fans who still got in then. <laughs> They've been letting fans in for years, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, people just kind of like pass their lanyards around. Yeah, so. but this was the year where they decided to experiment and say, like, let's sell tickets to this thing and treat it like a PAX. And it was a bit of a disaster, especially that first day. I I remember walking in and seeing that long line of neon badges and going, that looks terrible i'm so sorry <laughs> you guys that this is happening uh yeah that i mean i i pulled this one out because it's kind of like with e3 being canceled 
totally this year with, you know, they cited COVID concerns, which I'm sure is mostly true. You know, last year was online. 2020 was also canceled. And then 2019, which was the last one ever and the last one I went to, was pretty, pretty dead. <laughs> it was just like, it feels like it was like the first, like, real big, like, desperate attempt like how do we revitalize the show because we don't really know what to do with it anymore yeah uh so let's just let people let's let fans in and just see what happens and yeah it was it was a weird show (laughs) because of that i'm of the opinion that i think there needs to be like one big just industry only show a year like i think it was a mistake to let fans and there are other events for that um Hmm. but there's there was something special and magical about e3 before that how it was just it was kind of like this exclusive thing for like outlets to go and just cover new games that were coming out it's like a willy wonka's factory kind of a feel at least that's how i always looked at it (laughs) my golden ticket for working for exposure for a small game website back in 2009 yeah or if you're gonna do it at least do it better than they did because they basically didn't change the show they just let more people in <laughs> so a lot of booths were yeah, struggling yeah. to accommodate like to whatever i think it was like god it's like twenty thousand people i forgot how it was like an absurd amount of people that they let in uh it was a whole thing this is a little more inside baseball <laughs> for like us yeah. but i mean uh, you know if you went to the show let us know i would like to know what your experience was i remember thinking it was cool yeah. at the time it's like if i was not in the industry i would kill to go to this oh, yeah, um, totally so but yeah 2017, ladies and gentlemen, we love it. We'll never forget it, especially now because uh, it was pre-pandemic. Any year that was pre-pandemic, I'm kind of on board for. But with that said, let's jump into the making of Pyre. John Carson, can you can you kickstart? Can you turn the keys on the car? Sure. To this story. Uh, Is that the? I should have said the. Can you kickstart the wagon? Because that's what they use in the games. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I can't. I blew no, it. I can't. I can't do that. Not can anymore. You do a horse neighing or what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Uh, do I have like something I can clap together? <laughs> Sad horse. <laughs> And this happens every episode? Is, it, is this like... Yeah, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's always a sad horse that gets us going. Okay, great. That's uh, it's our calling card. Just the... I have the... Uh, That's... I, in my head, I'm like... What's the horse's name? Gertrude. Gertrude, great. All right. Well, now that Gertrude's all warmed up... uh. So Pyre started its development, <laughs> unlike Transistor, uh, that like Supergiant took a couple months off between uh, the release of Bastion or like when they finished Bastion uh, to to start Transistor. It took a couple months to do pre or to like get pre production going because they wanted to take a break. Uh, for Pyre, they started immediately after Transistor was released, and the <laughs> Uh, from like different interviews I've read, the like their whole goal was to just like let everybody do what they wanted to, uh, to start with and kind of see where things landed. Yeah, expire uh, or pyre transistor, like we talked about last week. The making of that was pretty rough <laughs> for yeah. the team. A lot of like, we don't really know what we're doing with this for a long time. Our pre-production phase is taking forever. And we put all these weird limits on ourselves that 
I guess paid off in the end, but made things really hard. So it, it like by comparison, almost felt like an easy going. Like I don't know, man. Let's just do what we want, and then it'll come together. <laughs> let's just yeah. have fun. Let's just have fun, team. That's. I mean, that's kind of how it's worked previously for them too. Like even even if Transistor was like kind of hard for them, and like if you look at the beginnings of Bastion, like a lot of it was just like what 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 do we think is cool? What do we want to put into this thing? And now it's more of a solo effort that later gets collaborative um so like the art team gen z um and i think greg kasavin if i remember correctly like a few people on staff wanted to switch from like the the steampunk and sci-fi aesthetics that they had for the last two games and move into high fantasy so go with like things you'd see in dungeons and dragons magic the gathering um, go with wizards and elves and giants and dwarves and and all of those uh, different archetypes. Yeah, um, so it felt like they were sitting on that for a while. Because even like Transistor's original pitch, like the wizard, what was it, the wizard at the bar? The yes, the, yeah, like <laughs> it's like they've been itching to just do that for so long. Like let's just do D and D, basically. <laughs> and so like Jen was super on board to start drawing all all the fantasy stuff and like all the art in this game just freaking rules um is it the best looking super giant game do you guys think yes art wise yes Yes. also like the the first game where i feel like they they really grasp the power of a good character still where it's like it's not you know like there's really not a ton of animation in those uh, characters uh, but like in terms of just here is a character looking at you and there's text and it's like that is a hundred like that is so much of the appeal of those characters. It's just like this character still is so good that I just want to keep uh, looking at it, you know, while I'm reading this text. And it's like they're really evocative in that they totally brought that over into Hades, where most of the characters besides your own are basically just those character stills. And it's a testament to uh, Gen Z and the art team over there that like those are consistently some of my favorite parts of those games. It's just like how powerful uh, the characters are and how well they're brought to life in those, in just like a, here's a single still of them talking. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. It gives you an excuse, like all this conversation because Pyre is such a conversation heavy game that you get to really stare at those character portraits for a while. <laughs> yeah. You, you, like, if you're going to do something that long, uh, then making sure those, those images are like a thing that really uh, draws you in is like, paramount and the, yeah they they've nailed it in here and in hades yeah um so we're, we're going with with more of a high fantasy theme while that's happening uh the the programming group is kind of concepting a competitive multiplayer uh sort of game mode uh they didn't want it to be a sport <laughs> But it it this this game is a hundred percent fantasy NBA Jam. It's uh, it's weird. It's just like you don't. I think they said they don't describe it as a sports game, and they tried to steer away from that. Would you ever yeah. like? Have you get like, sir? Have you ever recommended this game to someone and described it to them as a sports game as a selling point at all? Or no, I I I think the appeal of this game is like the world and characters and the like. I think this is maybe 
systemically, it's probably their weakest game in terms of, and I, weakest is, is like kind of a strong term because I, I still think it works really well, but it definitely is not as dense as either Transistor or Hades in terms of like systemic interactions and like putting this buff and this thing together. Um, there are like modifiers and stuff and there are like different classes in the in the NBA jam. Not that means it's not just like, hey, you know, here's like fantasy Scotty Pippen or whatever and we're going <laughs> to have him play against fantasy Jordan and like it's not necessarily that like there's there's modifiers and stuff like that there there are layers to the gameplay but it definitely feels like the least dense of their games mechanically um and like what you said about the uh the the two teams kind of prototyping kind of different games kind of does come out in that like a lot of it is just like here it is this game for most of it until it is until like it facilitates this other game right where it's like you're playing an Oregon Trail visual novel where like the center stage is like these basketball games right and so like though those two modes of play are like pretty divorced in a way that like i can totally see how like this is what they came up with of like well one team has made this thing and this other team made this thing so let's just combine it this way and it just turns out that it turned out like really well but yeah it is like kind of the least um fluid or like you know cohesive of their games in terms of like what how the game and the story are kind of put together it kind of felt uh, like that too because we watched the uh i don't know if you watched the uh, no clip documentary on super giants games uh serial uh but i've watched a couple i think I, I watched the one for bastion and i know i've seen the one for hades i, I don't remember if i've seen the one for pyre okay so i remember and correct me if i'm wrong john but like mm-hmm. that was i think you're on like right on point with that serial because that the the way the game feels like several games in one was kind of the approach because it felt like different parts of Supergiant kind of all were behind a specific idea of like there was a couple of they're like oh like what if we did like a sports thing or like we had the idea for this ritual that kind of took the form of sports and hearing you know, even hearing anything Greg Kasavin who's like you know the main writer for all their games des- describe sports conceptually as a ritual and yeah. that's how mm-hmm. it kind of came to that which I never like i'm not a big sports guy but you know like that or maybe just games in general like it is a is a ritual you know we all get together there are rules and you're performing them for a desired outcome (laughs) or to decide something like a winner or loser for whatever purpose that you need for that and when you kind of break it down like that then it it had it gives it a lot more of a like like a mystique or like a like a mysticism to it then like you know we're so used to sports being by comparison pretty straightforward or maybe a little bit corporate i guess in some way uh that anyway because i always wondered like how did they even like i get the D stuff that makes sense but how do you how'd you come up with like weird basketball thing and then when he broke it down like that's like oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. And the idea that they all brought those ideas to separate ideas together in like a Voltron like fashion of like, oh, you got a weird sports ritual thing where we're doing this fantasy look over here. What if we just smash well, those together? I, I think what what's what's cool about the last piece of this this Voltron is that the team was talking about like if if it is like a, a sports situation like what do you do when like your star player is done playing and like they're ready to retire and like you're sending them off like what is like do you do you try to convince them to stay uh, a little bit longer so you can uh grasp greatness again or do you let them go on to live a happy life without the team and how does the team react uh 
with with that loss. Yeah. Um, so happens. like it's it's and that that goes into like the whole uh, what ascension or uh, I can't remember the, the exact term that they use where you get to bring uh, these exiled folks back to society right. and let them uh, be back in in their their regular lives while everyone else is stuck uh taking these rights over and over um yeah. and, and trying to escape themselves yeah like having to again it is, it's something about like because that's something you see every day in sports like people get traded or retire or mm-hmm. whatever and you kind of you know you think of it like that of like oh yeah like how's the team gonna regroup now that jordan's gone again yeah. <laughs> and, or right. lebron james does this a lot to his team he, he's jumped team so many times always yeah he's constantly he's left his team wondering why we're down here in the downside <laughs> having to pick up the pieces uh but <laughs> like yeah just finding a weird another weird way to reframe what's otherwise a pretty like common occurrence or a, a or an aspect of sports that you don't like making you think about it in a more interesting way. Right. And I think that that speaks to one of my favorite things about super giant games is that they, they never take uh, mechanics for granted and they always try to find like, here's the best way that we can implement it into a world or a story. Uh, and that like, you know, the game is not just like, well, here we're, you're going on this fantasy adventure. It's not like, you know, went where it's like, well, you're going on a fantasy adventure, but like we've also come in, came up with this card game and, you know, we'll, we'll have it as like a side thing. And then that'll be, there's a couple of quests dedicated to it where it's like, no, this is, this is the core of the game. And then we're going to make that um, not only just like the thing that they do as like a way to pass time, but like the entire game is based around that. And then you start getting like these these this kind of like cascading synergy of like well if we're going to make it about sports and sports you know in fantasy uh in a a fantasy setting would be like a ritual and so we're going to make um we're going to make the like that game the the game that we made up we've like we're going to make that really matter and then that ends up leading to kind of the other thing that i really like about the game which is the the way that choices work or the way that like the branching dialogues uh and, and systems work by saying like well you know if we're going to give this game stakes uh then we're going to make it matter by saying like hey if you win or like whether you win or lose each game kind of has some major repercussions on the story and what characters are in your party things like that and, and like all of that stuff just synergistically starts like happening because of like well we're going to we're going to not just add this as a feature to the game it is part of our world now it is like central to our our themes and we're going to like try to build as best of we're going to try to ingrain it into our world and story as best we can and not just kind of like have it as a bonus you know yeah you guys watch the last dance documentary on the bulls yeah do you think uh the bulls organization would have been really good at pyre because they you know the way they just kind of decided to disband one of the greatest teams of all time for no real reason do you think they would yeah. have felt nothing letting their the night wings go one by one and would feel no emotion like yeah rookie you're like one of the best characters but just don't want you anymore because reasons so yeah take, take your behind yeah. up that waterfall <laughs> and so in, in that sense in in the world of pyre are you like are you playing as coach jackson who actually gets to predict like he gets to decide who's on the roster or not, but there's like you know a couple of key players who are influencing him. I'm saying like you need to build this team around me. Yeah, Coach Jackson is the reader. Yes, he is the yeah. the. I think Coach Jackson in documentary he was holding the 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 book, and I was yeah. Yeah, Bobby, I guess an unorthodox playbook he's got there, but I guess we can't argue with the results. They let a dog uh, on the field, but you know nothing in the rules. This dog can't play basketball. He's got a so. nice mustache. Should he cut that? I don't know. <laughs> 
so like getting getting this whole uh the this whole story going uh empire like getting these characters together well first they wanted to do um i don't think we we really we touched on it before but not like oh like substantially um super giant wanted to move on and do something that that had more than one character so they wanted uh to to see what a, a more fleshed out world was like with more characters you can interact with um which led to uh using more of these characters in this competitive mode um, and learning about these characters in like the more visual novel style uh, mode as well. And there was a point where Greg Kasavin was, was talking about in the no clip documentary where they didn't know if it was going to work until they prototyped it. And mm. they had to like prototype everything. <laughs> so they had to like prototype uh, multiple characters and the the sports game or like the ritual and uh, going through like a season and building up those characters and making people or like trying to make people care when a character was leaving the team. So basically prototyping that that piece of it, like making people care about a character leaving, they had to like build an entire game <clears throat> just to make it work. Yeah, um, and 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 see uh, where where it went from there, and they, I mean, they made it happen, which is which is very cool and very lucky for them because that sounded like a lot of time to take to potentially throw away an entire concept. Yeah, like it sounds like a weird approach of like there's so much testing we have to do because of how involved this game is that we can't really move forward <laughs> unless we actually build this <laughs> stuff and 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 see if it works or not like oh do you know has, is enough time passed where the player feels bad that we're letting headwind go is that should we make this longer i don't know yeah um and it it's cool i never got to this point but it sounds like even when you let people go like they'll leave remnants in the wagon yeah i love um, that like like different items so like headwind will will leave like his cooking utensils or something yeah, and uh, you'll you'll be able to to have some fond memories of that character, uh, but also have to worry about what's next in like the the group of rights that are coming up. Yeah, fond memories or regrets. You look at him like, man, why did maybe I should have held on to does, so does and it, so a little longer? Get, does it get that? <laughs> I I know you're building up these characters over time. Like you're leveling them up. You're giving them uh, different like skills and perks. Um, does it other than like their character presence does it really feel like you're missing them on the team yes okay. at least for me uh yeah. so because it's like for me does, when i ever had to decide who had to go it's a combination of my personal attachment to them as well as their story because they all have their own reasons for being down there and their own reasons for wanting to get to get out and also their effectiveness on the team so rookie was someone I held on as long as I could because, at least for me, he was one of my favorite players and he was really so fast. good. Yeah, he's so fast and he was like clutch because of it. Yeah. So it's like, but also because I, I loved him so much, I felt bad about keeping him there longer than I really have to, right? So mm. I always felt like, 
and this is the part of the game that almost makes you feel like, like you feel like a coach or like a weird like you feel like the john this is our obligatory wrestling reference i feel like uh-huh. vince mcmahon <laughs> denying like oh a superstar requested his release nah it's i like, still nah. got i'm holding you on because i like the you know. the most folly situation <laughs> yes uh yeah. R- uh rookie was the ollie of the, the team <laughs> we had a yes. hashtag free rookie very, very, campaign very going quick, on great fighter uh, and that was a lot of things to juggle is like, I want to let you go because you're awesome. And like, I can, and I think you deserve to be back, but you're so good. And like, I think everyone on the team is good. I, I don't, th- I didn't think anyone was like a dud necessarily, but there's certainly yeah. ones that I like more than others and different compositions that I prefer. Cause you had to keep that in mind too, because you know, you're playing these teams and you play them repeatedly. So you get a sense of like every team's strategy so you, I would have like a okay, we're fighting the the accusers. I think I have a good like makeup or a team makeup that will counter their you know approach to the game. And so to lose that is like oh, now I got to come up with someone that like I don't know if I'll be able to beat these guys as well as I did before. So yeah, it it made a big difference for you know if you're purely the the game part of it. Yeah, it's also a, a weird game in that, like, because of the way the, the systems work in that every time you, you you win the game, basically, right? Like, you have to let go of, of one of your best team members because ideally you're bringing, like, the three best characters that you have into the final kind of, like, ascending rights. Um, and so, like, you you can't really have, like, uh, you can have, a like, a good reliable foundation of, like, here are my three best characters um, for a lot of it, but then you do have to give one of them up, right? Uh, so you're... At, over the course of like several runs of the of the seasons basically um your team is actively getting worse a lot of the time even though you do end up getting new recruits so there is kind of like this bittersweet emotion of like yeah you're letting you're letting someone go because they you know they've they've kind of earned it but you're also realizing that like it might be not only might it be difficult for me to win like you know as a player to get another win but also like the other people's chances of ascending also goes down because we've lost you know who could have been our jordan right right yeah uh one one more question before we move on is there any play that just sucks and you just want to keep (laughs) down there uh like as a personality or as yeah, a Yeah, yeah, you're like, ah, this guy's just bad. I I want to I want to make I mean, sure they yeah. don't they don't see their happy ending. Maybe the like uh Bertrude, the the kind of crone lady, she's kind of like a downer. Mm, I, I I don't think I used her much yet. Yeah, so I guess when my if she she seems like <laughs> if she's down there and she's like the way she is down there, I wonder what she did up top. It's like maybe it's a service that she's not in the living world yeah she seems like she might be up to some things yeah I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that there's some like gray area there yeah because i i think it's important to point out that like yeah you, you don't get to send every you don't get to play the game until everyone goes up right like a, yeah. a certain number of people do do have to stay below because there's only certain so many rights um so that kind of does make your choices of who you're sending up pretty important um and i th- i like the way that a lot of the characters will introduce twists about like you know like i here are all my motivations and so like how does that affect who you end up sending and like what the relationship is to people in the downside things like that yeah because it forces you to make really hard decisions sometimes that in ways that make you feel maybe a little heartless because i know i left um i'm trying to remember correctly my order i know my first the first person i sent up was uh hedwin because i which was hard because i liked him a lot and he's like one of the first people you meet but i kind of felt like he deserved it the most because he was just so unabashedly kind I was like, you know what, dude, you you should go. 
where I think I think I kept uh Jordiel the 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 woman the big yeah. demonic looking woman I kept and she's a great character I love her and I felt bad but like I had like you said you can't send everyone and my reasoning is that because her whole story is that she's been down there for so long that she's kind of morphed into like this demonic form that is like maybe it's like it's already too late for you <laughs> you know what i mean you, so like, you should just, just fine yeah it's it's like a terrible reasoning but it's the only one i could come up with we're like you're it's you're you've already you know your time has passed you, you know you're right. already used to it here right <laughs> so. yeah and i think i love the way that the you know that super giant does like manage to kind of roll uh, have players roll with the punches um and kind of make decisions based on like conflicting motivations because like i like i don't think this is a particularly difficult game in that i was able to win pretty consistently throughout oh, most yeah. of it mm-hmm. um and so like i was on the verge of like i, I want to have just basically let's see what happens if i am able to roll a perfect game basically and win every time uh, and like the game kind of discourages you from like doing that like by, by it discourages you from brute forcing that outcome by saying like if you lose it's not the end of the world but also like the story will branch differently depending on your results so don't worry too much about your record but i'm definitely still one of those people who worried about their record and like for a combination of like if the game were tougher and i was losing more often i probably wouldn't have cared but i was at the point where it's like i could probably win every match if i really wanted to um but i I got to the point where i think uh pamitha was like one of my favorite characters and i she wasn't like the first person i sent up because i wanted to keep her around but i think at one point i got to the point where i was going to send her up and i think when you the the last team that i faced the team that that would have ascended was the essence which is the team that her sister tamitha is on yeah and so they have like this sordid history of like uh when they were when when they were not on the downside um tamitha like they were basically like I want to say they were like rebels or like in some ways kind of like upsetting the natural order of things there. Like they were kind of miscreants. Um, and the idea was that like, okay, we're going to team up together and do this thing. We're going to like heist or some, some, some kind of thing where they were going to group up and attack, you know, like the, the Commonwealth. I think it's, I think it was, but like, yeah. and then Pamitha kind of backed out of the last second because she was kind of having second thoughts. And so Tamitha gets captured and basically exiled. Mm-hmm. And part of it was because, like, her sister kind of bailed on her. And so they spend the entire game uh, basically, like, um, at each other's throats, uh, basically. Or, like, any anytime you try to t- talk to Tamitha, like, Tamitha is, like, well, every time Pamitha tries to talk to Tamitha, Tamitha is, like, not interested. She doesn't want to talk to her because, you know, they, they kind of uh, – she did her dirty. And so, like, at the end, it's like, okay, I'm facing her in this final right, and I know that we've, like, we've been doing really well, but – I need you to send her up instead of me because I feel like that's basically like, I can't talk to her. She won't, she won't talk to me. But, and this is like the only way that I could do her a solid and say like, Hey, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I would rather you go. And so like that, like I had up until then not lost, but like I cared so much about Pamitha as a character that I said, fine, I'll, I will, I will shatter that record. I will, I will break that streak because I care about this character enough. And I think that is kind of like one of those things that, um, that kind of shows you how strong their writing is that like, you know, it can kind of, like there was no reason I wasn't going to get an achievement or anything for for doing it, but like I cared enough about these characters to have that happen, and I think that 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 to me is like that shows like how strong this game's writing is and how its approach to choices I think is like one of my favorite ones where it's like you're not necessarily always encouraged or uh, going to have like the optimal choice in terms of like min maxing stuff, um, but there are enough interesting narrative decisions that you can make whatever decision feels natural versus like 
trying to get the quote-unquote best result. You you saying that I vaguely remember that whole storyline now, and I'm feeling bags. I think I might have just beat that team anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was very yeah. precious about my record. <laughs> Sometimes you got to put them down. It's like, well, you know what? This whole team needs to win, Pamatha. <laughs> <So laughs> you, you're gonna have to take one for the team. I don't care. Uh, it's, yeah, like speaking to like the choices and stuff. The the whole narrative of this game is very ambitious compared to the previous titles uh, that Supergiant has worked on. Like, Greg Kasavin went on to say that uh, he thinks it it might be his best work, but it's definitely his most work. <laughs> uh, that there's, I mean, there's thousands of conversations, and there's a ton of choices and different characters that you could take on. And even like choosing character names and who gets to ascend and who doesn't and there's so many permutations and and variables in this game that it's kind of mind-boggling when you look at it like just starting out like like starting it last night and and playing the the very beginning it seems like a very tight and compact game like you're moving from place to place talking to your your uh your your wagon mates occasionally your teammates um and but like just doing a right at each place but even in moving from place to place like you're making a bunch of little choices like do mm -hmm. i want to talk to this character do i want to go through this area to get uh an item that uh like some some character in the world owes uh the 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 dog character yeah a, very uh, very oregon trail favor. style yeah yeah and so so there's so many little choices and factors that are that were cared about in development and implemented into the game and it's just uh it's i don't know like i i i haven't experienced the the full breadth of it but um even seeing that that little bit it's um and, and hearing about like how the ending plays out and all of that like it, it's all very cool uh, yeah and, and impressive i wonder if uh Kasavin still has that like if he still believes that post hades because you know hades obviously has like a absurd amount of like lines and, and voice work and stuff yeah. but i guess even then hades even though it like there's it, it, it changes a lot but it's still compared to this kind of a straight line you know right. that you're running over yeah. and over and the line just changes colors a lot yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if there was as much or more text in hades but i think like one thing that makes pirate interesting is that like you may not see all of it in one in one sitting because like you have to choose to do all of that stuff you have to kind of, like by by choosing one path you're locking yourself out of the other so like right the, it's almost more impressive because like they are making so much so many choices and dialogue um that you're just not going to see whereas i think maybe you could see hades as like a reaction to that of saying like well if you play the game enough right because you're doing all these repetitions eventually you will see all of the audio because i think what's impressive about hades dialogue system is that they have the game reacts to like the most obscure things but mm. that that benefits the game because like eventually if you play the game enough that you know this this you know this very specific uh sequence of events will trigger a new novel 
line, but you're not necessarily like by triggering one, you're not locking yourself out of the other. So you almost see it as like a pragmatic choice in a way as a writer to say like, well, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to write that much uh, stuff again, then I want players to see it. And that here's like the way that I've, you know, kind of put together the game to say that like, well, if you play long enough, you'll just eventually see everything versus something like Pyre that requires, you know, explicit numerous playthroughs to actually see everything. Yeah. It's so fascinating too, like that. The concept of making a sports game basically where it is okay to lose, which is completely against how sports (laughs) work and them figuring out like, you know, because the game changes, like the game goes on no matter what. Like if you lose, the game just keeps on chugging. It doesn't punish you at all for it. It just, you know, it just keeps it keeps rolling. And to see how they figure that out again, now that we're in a, in a post Hades world, cause that is a big part of Hades too, of like making failure, not only, uh, you know, it, it's, you're not even punished, but it's often encouraged. Like you get excited to fail in Hades cause it means you get new story stuff or, right? and it get to see different things. Uh, so to see kind of like an early version of that again, again, I feel, I encourage people if you have played and you enjoyed Hades to revisit Pyre, if you haven't yet, because you're seeing so many of of Hades' ideas, like the the first iterations of it, but like in a in a different format, uh, I think it's it's fascinating to look back on now. Yeah, um, especially now that that it doesn't seem like it's going to make its way onto Switch anytime soon. I feel like it's probably perfect for Steam Deck to to just play oh, yeah. a narrative based game with like that kind of uh, gameplay. Definitely a good fit for that if you're looking for something to play on that thing. Yeah, oh, I wonder if it is. That's a good question. I wonder if any yeah, other games thing. are Steam Deck verified. So with so I was playing it on PS5 last night, and it was actually freezing a bunch. So I wonder if there's something really? with memory streaming like from an SSD uh, where it doesn't load correctly, but it, it would freeze every every few minutes during like dialogue. Never during like the actual writes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there were a ton of sections where it would just freeze for a bit so interesting i can't remember if i have that problem i played it on ps4 because it only it's only on ps4 and pc right uh yeah I, I can't recall if i have that same issue or not or if it's like a or weird my ps5 ps5 dying. thing <laughs> your ps5 is on fire currently yes. i don't know if you noticed uh, that. <laughs> I um, hope not. um also impressive for this game just narratively uh, Kasavin also wrote a language uh, for all these people to speak, except for the uh, the High Inquisitor or whatever the oh the the, uh, the Archduke. The, Ar- the Archduke. He's pretty much like the only character that speaks English, and the English that he speaks is usually really antagonistic and like jerky. He's like ah, night wings. I, I, I love that voice. Um, <laughs> Logan Cunningham nails it. Um, and that, and that's that's one of his big contributions to this game is is uh playing the archduke, uh as well as like four other characters, but you'll only yeah. really recognize him as the archduke because of uh the the different language I'd say that that the other characters are speaking. But yeah, that always blows my mind for like any fiction, the idea of someone like yeah, I just created my own language. And sure. I was like, how do you yeah how do you do that? Where do you start with that? <laughs> <laughs> like it, like the, to reverse engineer a language and just and for it to make sense to you and also to maybe sound good like yeah when it's spoken uh and same goes for like if you're coming up with a written language it always just blows my mind that people just do that yeah 
Yeah, it doesn't sound like one of those uh, languages either where it's like, oh, I just swapped all the letters of the alphabet out and just made, like, basically made different sounds for them or something. Like, it, this feels a little bit more like someone who has studied, like, the way, like, etymology works and how, like, syntax and, and languages uh, work together to, like, to form phrases and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, giving it, like, a specific character of, like, well, this region you know, of, of this country uses these kinds of sounds because that's kind of what they grew up with, but they're not very good at pronouncing these other kinds of sounds. It feels specific in that way. And so like that, that is definitely one of those cool things where you see someone who, who has, who has either for this project or before researched something and just like put all of that into a product. I, I really like it when, when games do that. I remember watching Arrival and being more engaged with the language deciphering aspect mm-hmm. of it than okay. the fact that there are aliens invading Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you were you trying to did you see the Batman and you were trying to decipher uh the the Riddler's code? Oh yeah. yeah. I was on his uh oh, his I'm weird gonna pause l- it quick and I'm just gonna screencast. <laughs> I, I, I scream like can you stop out. filming real quick? I watched, I, watched, the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it in theater so I had to figure out what anyone was saying because like half half the characters in that movie are just mumbling, so <laughs> definitely need to watch it again with, with uh, subtitles. Uh, what is that was whispered of? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, one one of the this this is partially uh, a making of thing, but um, the the studio after Transistor um, was in a much better place financially, uh, which is great for everyone involved. Um, yeah, there were Transistor of, did real well for them. It did, and it was self published. <laughs> it was it was uh, put at a higher price point than Bastion was, so there wasn't like a a, a publisher cut. Um, so a lot of most of the money was coming straight into Supergiant, and, yeah. and I like the scene in No Clip documentary where Kasavin made it rain, like he just had a stack <laughs> of bills. <laughs> uh, so our our own uh, Kim Wallace did uh, a, a retrospective on on Pyre. You can find it on GameInformer dot com. Uh, but she talked with uh different people at at supergiant about making pyre and she talked with logan cunningham the uh their in-house voice actor and he talked about how um there there was a much better like work-life balance um they like especially since people are getting older on the team and and starting families and you kind of need that work-life balance uh, yeah. eventually it's in your life to kind of like to mandatory vacations have been instituted yeah which is pretty cool and watching that no click that no clip documentary you could kind of tell like i've since i watched all the other ones too you could tell when they're talking about pyre i don't know if it's just because of the uh the relation in time to when they made it because they were talking about this maybe pretty soon after pyre had released Mm. Uh, but there's like a glow, uh, like when they talk about Pyre versus when they talk about Bastion and Transistor. And I know like Transistor had had some like development issues and Bastion was like their first project where uh, they didn't know if they were going to like succeed or not. So I don't know if that those emotions kind of like weighed on them while they were doing these interviews. But like everything that they talked about Pyre was like glowing. And yeah. everyone is like excited to talk about like the, the different aspects of it. And I, I think this game was because they were in a better place uh, financially and uh, I guess emotionally that they they just 
have a better memory of of making this game than the other than the previous ones i mean i think it's even a little telling that that episode is the shortest of the uh it is yeah of the documentary so it's almost like a you know not that there weren't any issues but like you said compared to the previous two games like you can only have filmed so much of them like yeah this is fine <laughs> this is great <laughs> we yeah you know no real issues yeah pretty fun yeah we which is interesting because, like, up until that point, this was their biggest game uh, yeah. in terms of, like, content and, like, it's probably their, you know, before Hades, it was by far their longest game in terms of our count. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I guess, like, pipeline is really important in terms of, like, how how much it takes to put that kind of stuff together. So, definitely, like, an interesting case of, of them, like, slowly figuring out how to make games because this was their third game as an independent studio. So, and... Yeah, having figured out their processes and, and workflows, uh, you see how important that stuff is in, you know, the, the kind of relative um, work culture that they had between Bastion and Pyre. Yeah. And uh, I think the the last thing, uh, development-wise, that I think we should talk about is is the music. Uh, Supergiant mm. always has great, great music, and Darren Korb knocked it out of the park once again uh the the soundtrack for this he uh he calls it uh he he says it's acoustic 70s fantasy rock um and that he tried to style everything as uh as he was extrapolating a genre of music uh from the intro to led zeppelin's stairway to heaven (laughs) uh with the guitar and flutes (laughs) and uh yeah i think that that's that's a really great way of putting it um there's also a very cool and impressive uh end song uh as as uh credits are rolling that changes depending on like who's ascended and who hasn't and describes like their place in the end yeah it's like a a musical version of like a tapestry of everything you did in the game of like here's a little summary that we're gonna sing to you and i remember hearing that for the first time and like i didn't know for a fact that it was like a a thing that could change or it was like a i don't call it a procedural thing but it's like oh no no no, they're taking into account what i did i just remember thinking like this is strangely specific to what i did <laughs> and that how did that how how like huh so- it's almost like a musical version of like the end of like an 80s comedy where they're like oh this person went on to like do this, but it's like they, instead they just play a different instrument or have like a different melody yeah. under the same song okay. and had formed his own business and... yeah. <laughs> yeah that song is is great and what's cool about the because i god he said there was like i forget the exact number but just an absurd amount of uh, variations on it even though the number of options that there are that are differences is like much less uh but the just the amount of because i think he said it was like technically six different points in the song that change Mm. um but when you can like when you add up the number of combinations that could be it was like in the thousands uh so the idea of like talking to someone about like hey what was your your end song what did would you get what they say or whatever and have it be completely different from yours is, is really cool. But also something that like, I wonder how many people noticed that exit. Cause it was like a credit song, mm-hmm. right. Or like right before the credits so I was like, yeah. are people still listening? Cause like, that's a lot of work to put into something that like, 
when you know like i don't know you know when you know it's the end of the game and you know there's credits is that the point where i feel like a lot of people start to tune out a bit because you're like you're basking in the glow of like oh i beat the game yeah and maybe you don't listen to the song as much because you're just yeah. like maybe in your mind reflecting back like wow what a game you know or what a piece of crap i don't know <laughs> i mean and on your first playthrough you're not going to know that it's different for everyone right you're just going to assume like this is the end song you're yeah. not going to think like oh this this instrument is clearly inspired because i made this choice in the story right like it's not until you listen to the lyrics and think about like oh this is very specific to me i guess um, that you actually start getting an inkling of like, oh, this could have gone very, you know, the song could be very different depending on the one I did. Like, what do you mean your song said that Rookie, Rookie was trapped in the downside forever? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, that's just so, like, kind of like Kasava talking about how much work he put into this. Like, this has to be the most work that uh, Corb has put into a, yeah. a single piece of music and for something that could easily be overlooked or ignored and that's that's wild to me but i mean that shows his dedication as as an artist like let's do something really cool and different for this game uh that you know fits fits the theme because because throughout the game you have you keep running into this bard guy that you know is sort like keeping track of what you're doing Mm. and so like to have that pay off in that way at the end is really cool for that character because it's that character and another character singing the song to you uh so I think that's really awesome. Yeah, it's and that's one of those one of those pieces that like when they started making this game that, hey, do what you want to do. And that's like the the cap, the cap on everything that they've done. So like Darren Korb wanted to make a like a procedural song done. Uh, they wanted to set the game in a high fantasy world and have high fantasy characters. Uh, Gen Z and Kasavin took care of that. Um, the uh, the programming team wanted to make a competitive sports like game. Perfect. That's that's in there with the rights. Um, they wanted to have more characters than what they had with their previous games, which fits in with the sport with with the rights and like the teams and um, the the narrative structure of meeting all these characters and having these choices to uh ascend them or or not um also supports having uh, a a ton of characters they met all of their goals even though each idea was kind of off in their own direction they found a way to wrangle it all together into a, a really cool and i i think uh from from what I've experienced and watched, like a pretty amazing game. Yeah, yeah it's like the one of those rare instances where ever like that only an indie studio can say they were able to do where everyone was working on the exact thing that they wanted to do, and it ended up coming together really well. Yes. Yeah, this is the best. Where it's like once you get into a hundred, two hundred thousand person production, it, it becomes difficult for everyone to say like this is exactly what I want to be working on right now. You know. Yeah, this is the best high school group project I've ever been a part of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I have a weird question. This is a general question, but like, just to go back to the song a little bit. Do you uh-huh. think it would be viable or possible for someone to just do what Corb digs? I've never heard the idea of a procedural song. Could an artist make a procedural song that changed every time you listen to it? Could that be commercially viable? Or if you extended that to an album that changed every time you listened to that, could would that work? Would that be good? 
could you win a Grammy off of something like that? <laughs> or would that it, be too dicey? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess you have to ask the people at Spotify or something like that. I think like you could if as an artist you wanted to do that, I guess you could sort of you'd have to make like an app. I feel like is the easiest way to do it. Or like here's like a proprietary website that I came up with where you press you press play and it loads a player that, you know, kind of throws in different elements of the song. But I think for Spotify to do something to have like, you know, here's this major artist doing this roguelike song, basically. <laughs> uh, I think that would take something interesting because then like if you put it, if you put that song on a playlist, does it play a different version of that song? Or is it like here's one play? Here's like one playlist that has a, a thousand different permutations of the same song. And does it play one from those? Um, yeah, very like it would be a weird thing, but I, I could definitely see this being like the next Arcade Fire album or something. Like that. So <laughs> we're just gonna do some experimental thing, and this this is what we got. Yeah, that's what actually that's what Kendrick Lamar's new album is gonna be actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's been quiet for a while. <laughs> I, I played a lot of Hades, and I thought this was this would be got my uh, man Darren really cool. got Darren on the phone. <laughs> we worked it out. <laughs> he told me a Kendrick secret. Lamar featuring Darren Corp. Oh, cool. if Kendrick rapping over some of those 20. tracks from those games, I. Let me down with that. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Uh, yeah, is that a? I think that wraps it up for. I, I think so for for development. Yeah. Empire. So, so let's talk a bit about the story, and and this is an interesting one because unlike all their other games, uh, Pyre on one hand it has a pretty straightforward narrative, but on the other hand, it's not. There's not. It's it's not the kind of game that's like a. Uh, here's everything that happened A, B, and C because it's so dependent on what you choose so it's more of like here's the premise of the game and like in terms of like here's where you start and this is where you're trying to end up at because you know like we've been talking about you you play as a a, a guy it's weird because this is the first game where you're not really a a fleshed out character you're the, you're a silent protagonist really mm -hmm. uh which is interesting for this team because they're known for making some pretty you know fleshed out characters where you're you know you're well, a figure just known as the reader yeah and but, but i mean the kid was a silent protagonist too <laughs> oh yeah that's true yeah i don't know i guess because something about i guess being able to see the kid i guess you can get a little bit yeah, of emotion yeah, yeah. from like yeah. expressions and stuff but like you can look at him yeah and see, your, see yourself marcus you, that's you are <laughs> the reader do you i forget what you look like i it's been so long since i played it um <laughs> but like yeah, and uh, so, you know, you've been cast down to the downside, this basically purgatory for bad people from the surface world. You get picked up by a team called the Nightwings. And there's interesting lores. I have more lore notes because the, the Nightwings are an important, like, faction in this world. Because the idea is that everyone that's down here is trying to fight their way back to the surface and to do so they all form these they join these teams called triumphants and they have Tri to battle against triumphants yeah. am i butchering the word um i'm just gonna call them teams <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but uh you know they're all competing in these in this these things called the rights which is the aforementioned magic basketball game and they're pretty much trying to climb up these rankings to earn a a special game that's called the liberation rights and this is the basketball game that determines who on the team gets to go home uh and you win enough of those eventually you work your way to the final game where you play against the nightwings to you know 
get the final spot of freedom for whoever you want to send up. The the Nightwings are important because the originally they're a team that was formed by the Scribes, and the Scribes were the original eight exiles to be cast into the downside, and they each come from one of the game's eight different races. And they created the Nightwings in their image because when they came up with this whole wacky system, they were like, all right, we're going to have all these teams. We need to have one team that they all have to go through to, you know, earn their freedom. Like, this is going to be the super team. So unlike the other teams, they have an unfair advantage because they have, like, unlimited favor with the scribes, which is basically why they can lose over and over mm. <laughs> and not be penalized. Uh and so, you know, we you read some of the original members on the team because they're on the current iteration of the team, like uh, Tizo, Wolfred. Um, there's like a whole backstory about the original Nightwings falling apart due to some betrayal that ends up, you know, coming around towards the end of the game where you face the the the, the new Nightwings, or I think they're called the true Nightwings, because you're kind of the, like the version Red two. Hoods, the... They're pretty much kind of like the Red Hoods of the Nightwings. Because <laughs> 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 um, you're technically playing the second iteration of the team. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're recruiting some new people. Like I mentioned, some of those members were on the original team. And yeah, it could be, so because of your spot in the team, everyone's gunning for you because they have to fight you to get out. And it's, it, uh, you know, it's also interesting. I don't think I picked up on this the first time I played, but one of the original members of the old Nightwings was the Arch Justice, the guy that's talking to you. Oh, cool. he, he was like, he was an outcast. Yes. And he got out. He was the first one to get out on his team. And then I guess he became like an asshole. I, <laughs> but, <laughs> I have ascended. I got this wig and I'm going to commentate. He became uh, the, check out the my sparkly mask. I would like to renegotiate my contract. <laughs> I, now I've started an ESPN show with Skip Bayless where we, we talk about the, all the different rights. I'd like a Nike sponsorship. I, I would like, someone has to have done it on YouTube, right? Like I wanted one of those ESPN analyst shows, but they talk about Pyre games. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, I don't think I picked up that, that that dude that talks all the time used to be in your spot at a certain point. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the the whole thing. And and in terms of the different teams, there's uh, and I want to know, do you guys? Uh, maybe it's too early for you, John. Cyril, uh, yeah. I don't know if you had a favorite uh, opposing team, but we had the Accusers, the Beyonders, the Chastity, the Descendants, the Essence, the Fate, which I'm noticing, you know. Not creative in terms of like they're all just <laughs> the something. Yeah, they're, they're all just the concept. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the pyre hearts, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's a good name. The tempers, the withdrawn, and then of course the uh, the final team, which is just your team, the 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 true night wings. I don't yeah. remember all of the team's names in association with their appearances, but I really liked, and I think it might have been the accusers that were like the pack of dogs that were just yes, like the, i was gonna say that yeah they reminded me of like the hyenas from lion king but a sports team <laughs> one of my favorite uh songs in the game too is their theme where it's just like this really like uh kind of like rockabilly song yeah. uh really high tempo music oh. i like them and i like the essence that's that's something i forgot to mention too 
I, I believe all of the right songs are the same song, just played in different ways, uh, depending on who you're facing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah like uh, it's, it, we take one song, we kind of just change it throughout kind of Super Mario World style. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like nine different songs. This is the uh, dubstep version of the song. <laughs> right. For the, the pyre hearts, they, they love that. Um, okay, we're on the same page. Accusers for life, I would buy their, I guess it's not a jersey. Their, it's their t-shirt. <laughs> a, oh, arrangement. Sure, I think they did make uh, a shirt of one of the teams. I think it probably was the Nightwings, but like I remember, I think there was some merch, some pyre merch that was like, here's a sports jersey. Here's your Nightwings robes. I they yeah. I don't know if it was Super Giant officially if it was like an Etsy ding, but I did find oh, someone yeah. made one for their dog so they could be oh, like Ricky. That's like a, they gave him a Nightwing thing. I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, but yeah, those are the teams. That is the uh, the organization and the rights themselves. Let's just go down the rules real quick. I've, yeah. I've kind of uh, condensed or uh, paraphrased them. So you know, two teams of uh, three mm. out of your you know you choose who you want to be on the squad. You can't use everyone. Each one has a reader on their team that has their own copy of the Book of Rights, which is the, you know, and the, the rule book, basically, the important thing that you need to play this game. They all have to dress in the ceremonial raiments, which is basically your jersey. And the game starts when fire rains from the sky and it lights up the pyre. So that is where the name of the game comes. If you're wondering why, where's the pyre part in this? That is the pyre. <laughs> it's, it's the, the right. opening bell. And yeah, you just take turns with this ball, trying to get it, trying to score on your opposing goal. It's soccer, hockey, whatever you want to call it. It's the same general concept. Um, okay. You know, you can pass the ball. You can do special moves to you can each only other. Move one character at a time, and and it's whoever is holding the ball or whoever. If you're playing defense, it's just one character. Um, everyone has a has a what like a a a field around them that if it's touched by another character like they get while they're holding the ball while they're holding the ball they get banished um which basically removes them from the game and then like for a set period of time which makes it easier to score right so yeah there's a lot of strategy with like i'm gonna move this large person with a, a person with a large field uh over forward and then i'm gonna pass it back to another character and then while the person is is not isn't looking and they run into the larger person's field you switch back to them and that activates their field and then kind of removes them from the game so there's so, so yeah there's like strategy in terms of like how you control one of your party members at a time basically yeah almost gives it like a board game element like a chess mm-hmm. or something of like knowing like okay i'm gonna maybe sacrifice a piece because i'm gonna draw a guy over here so that i can i created an opening now because he's over there or something like that or so but yeah yeah and the idea is that you know when you win you earn the right to so there's different rules like when you win you you tran you can you earn your freedom for Mm. a certain team member however that member reserves the right to transfer their freedom to someone else on the team if they choose to but if you try to take that victory from someone by force then you are killed because none of these people are actually dead. I think it's easy to think that they're like in hell and they died. It's like, no, 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 they're alive. They just got sent to a <laughs> hellish world. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you try to like, hey, you won, I'm going to take your spot. You're just going to get, I guess, zapped or whatever they do to you. <laughs> right. I, I think the way like the, the rituals work is that like you're kind of going through a season 
and like you're kind of going for like the reason you're traveling is you're going from place to place because like once you finish a game they tell you like here's where the next game is basically so like you're kind of on tour and they're like okay when this happens and then like when this you know you have to go to this specific site where it's like on on this cliff and then when there's moonfall this is where your next game is yeah so you're kind of randomly meeting up with teams you you don't know who you're going to face ahead of time i think and then the i think the team with the best season kind of goes up against the nightlings i think is kind of the 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 idea is like and that's the one where you have to do the rights of ascension of like whoever wins this game at the end of the season is the one is the has chooses who ascends right yes it's a very important aspect like oh like aren't the the final game of the season is taking place in this wasteland at the Staples Center or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. a, a weird thing to say. It's redundant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the American Airlines Arena. We're going to see someone fly through the ceiling and go home. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, eventually, you know, you get you get to your game. You play against the the true Nightwings, which, like we mentioned before, is led by uh, Orrock. I think I pronounced his name wrong, probably. But that sounded right to me. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard spe- it before, but yes. And none of these characters speak, so who knows? <laughs> but or at least speak English. And uh, you know, he goes through his whole revenge thing of like, yeah, I got, I got screwed the last time I was on you guys' team because I was supposed to go, and then one of my teammates, Arissa, took my spot and got out of there, and I am because he was thought dead for like a long time he kind of just disappeared so but you know he shows up with his own little gang and it's like yeah you guys gotta play me uh you know you beat their ass and then it's kind of where the game wraps up right you send up your last because at this point you've only got like i i forget how many you have left in utah i don't know if you have exactly enough to play the game at this point like if it's just three or maybe four left um but i know you're not really you know you mean you got you're down to the bottom of the barrel here (laughs) uh and you know you choose who you want to go up next and uh and then that's kind of you because i forget uh what happens to you the reader at that point because you ascend i believe too at the end right well, part i i think the the overarching narrative is that like you're trying to i think you, you eventually come up with a plan i think with rookie to kind of begin an overthrow of the government that's kind of led you here that's right, right. Like that, mm. that you're trying to put together the plan and that involves, okay, well, in order to pull off the plan, we have to send these people up or, like, you know, figure out who you want to send up to kind of help facilitate the plan. And some people will say, like, hey, I'm totally in favor. Like, here's what I would do if you sent me up. And right. so everyone's kind of trying to curry your favor uh, So with the idea being that eventually, once we send our all of our people up, we will facilitate the plan. And then that'll end with all of us being freed. So you're kind of trying to figure out who is actually kind of just kind of you know uh taking us for a ride and saying like oh yeah i'll totally help out and then they go up and just not do anything yeah so you're trying to figure <laughs> out who, who has your allegiance like who is kind of who who's most loyal to the plan and things like that so you're kind of trying to figure out who the last people are and then depending who is left by the end of the story is like okay well these people have to trust that they are going to be liberated versus like them kind of being feeling sore about like well i don't trust that you've sent up the right people so i don't care about this anymore because we're, we're basically all screwed and so, like, that, that is kind of, like, by the end of the, like, because I think at some point, like, the idea that you have a limited number of times that you can run this trial before you're out of team members and can't play anymore. Yeah. I think it's kind of made a reveal. So, like, you realize, oh, I couldn't, I can't play this game until everyone, like, I, I will not get the most positive outcome. So, I, at some point, I do have to make these tough choices that are going to have outcomes. Yeah. So, I think by, by the end of, like, by the end of the game, like, all of your um, decisions have this kind of somber tone to them where it's like, if you leave Rookie at the end, it's like, 
I, I'm not going to be able to help with the plan. I'm pretty important to the facilitation, but I have to trust that the reader knows who is going to go up. Yeah. I forgot about that uh, that through line of the uh, the plan on the surface. I, I didn't even see that when I was reading, <laughs> looking at the notes for the story. Didn't even mention that. But yeah, you're absolutely that is just popped back in my head. Yeah, there 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 is a that aspect of the story, and I think that is determines one of the endings, right? Because I think if you send enough people up that are down with the plan, that you, yeah, you do get a little bit of a thing of like, oh yeah, they they started some stuff up there, and yeah, whether or not you're, the plan succeeds, right, is is kind of like the big thing about the ending. Yeah, so. Again, in it's case, a pretty cool hook, yeah. Yeah, like in case you didn't have any other like weird moral quandary, who do I send up? And then you got this other thing put in your lap of like, oh wow, that does sound good, but like I, I really like this other person though. <laughs> right, like you, you have your relationship as a player, uh, you have the characters' motivations, and then you have like this larger overarching theme of like the, of, of a Mass Effect suicide mission esque. Like, okay, <laughs> like, depending on these choices, this thing will either succeed or fail. And, and like at some point, I'm just gonna have to let the plan go and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Wasn't uh, the worm guy uh, super down for it? Lowly worm? That wasn't his name, but I'm going to turn to Richard Scarry as a shorthand. <laughs> I think he was like a knight, uh, sir something. But I, I don't yeah, know he's like a super like Arthurian knight, very like I'm going to use old English speak, basically the equivalent of uh, and be very chivalrous. Right. And yeah. he's, he's pretty He's like one of the smaller, faster characters. So I, I enjoyed having him on my team. I remember loving his character portrait because every time he showed up, he had that like aura around him. Like he was like, shing, like I'm here. <laughs> yeah. like, just to kind of play up his his uh, nobility. Um, yeah, I think he's also one of those characters I left behind because every time he was like, he was totally <laughs> well, because he he was totally down for self sacrifice of like, oh, you want to leave me here? Like, yes, I will, I will chivalrous, chivalrously defend the team until everyone else is gone, right? So I was like, well, if you're if you're this down for it, I guess I'll just leave you here. That's fine. You took advantage of his beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just saying that, but he's a knight. He's bound by duty not to say what he really yeah. wants. <laughs> That's true. Uh but uh, but yeah, I think that pretty much sums up Pirates. Like I said, it's it's pretty open. I'm not open it, but it can go a bunch of different ways. You know, get your ending song, whatever it is based on. I I love this game. I think it's my it's where I it, it I think it's my favorite story. I go back and forth between it and, and Hades. Um, but I I might put this on top because I, like just because of that choice aspect of it. Like I've never played a game like that that made me care about a party the way that this game did and it's something i honestly think a lot of like rpgs could take a, a note from like jrpgs whatever because a lot of times you know like on a, in a big party maybe one or two people are important or matter and the rest are just kind of there um but this was one of the ones where they had a pretty sizable cast but you cared about mostly all of them and by having their fates in your hand in that way like it's something i honestly wish that final fantasy 13 did in particular because i had a similar sort of like hey we're all kind of screwed you know we're all in the same boat with this that's the one unifying thing for all these strangers that we're all you know cursed um but let's we have to work together to fix it i, I almost wish they had something like that to or something like what pyre did to maybe make that plot be better than it was yeah, <laughs> um, but, I, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think what, what i like about pyre so much is that like uh it kind of it is a sports game that kind of understands why we like sports because like, you know, like I don't care much about basketball and the season itself, but like I watched the last dance cause I like, you know, the characters, right? Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like the, the human drama behind the sports is like the thing that people tune in 
you know, like why people become sports fans, right? Like the reason that a lot of people watch sports isn't because like I really like the way they throw that ball around. But like, no, I have a vested interest in what is happening, whether it's because like I like, you know, Steph Curry as a player or because I'm from the Bay Area. So I like the Golden, the, the Golden State Warriors. And that was a that was a guess. I, I think but like they're from my hometown. Like that is my hometown. This is why I root. like everyone has these motivations behind why they are why they're even a part of it. And so like uh, Pyre understands that by saying like the the relationships between these characters are the thing that's going to drive you forward and care about playing this game. And also like the basketball is pretty cool, too, because like I think one thing that really actually like formed my experience of this game was um uh, Matt Miller, who you guys might know as a, who is also a yeah, game former editor, reviewed him. this game uh, back in 2017, and I think at some point he he had just said it so like the computer was at the highest difficulty and was playing against itself, and he was just watching like here's what like maximum pyre looks like of just like these characters constantly feigning against each other, like pro pyre, yeah, and this was like <laughs> while I was playing pyre, and I was like, oh, I picked up like quite a few strategies, so there's like a, quite a bit of depth there, so I came to appreciate the basketball side of it too. Which I think is where a lot of people like I think this is kind of viewed as one of their uh, kind of clunkier games in terms of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people like oh, I, I kind of I like the story stuff, but I kind of bounced off the basketball part of it. But I ended up really enjoying both. And I think I'm sort of with you there, Marcus, where I think this is their best story. Um, but I think Hades is overall better game because it kind of just has everything else firing on all cylinders. But there is something to like the way this game uses choice as a as uh, what this game does with video game choice, I think is really impressive um, in that, you know, you're always kind of like your motivations as a player are constantly being questioned and not, you're not just like, okay, I'm going to play mass effect two and I'm going to get the perfect ending by getting everyone alive out of the suicide mission. I'm going to romance the exact character that I want. I'm going to get the, 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 the best outcomes possible out of this game. Um, whereas I think something empire kind of argues for like, that's not the most interesting way that choice can work. Choice only really works if like, there is actual like push and pull um, between your motivations and characters motivations and that you have to make, you have to make the decision that involves some amount of sacrifice. And I think this, this game is really good about like pushing you to actually do that. Yeah. This is my uh, obligatory reminder that I never lost anyone in the suicide mission. (laughs) And I didn't even know that you could lose people in that mission. I just somehow the first try just didn't lose anyone without even realizing those were like stakes. <laughs> so I was very surprised after the fact, but wait, you, lo- you people could die. I didn't know that. All my, it is a suicide do- mission after all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, this game, speaking of release, you know, uh, you mentioned Matt Miller. He, uh, this game came out to critical acclaim pretty much. Uh, Matt gave it an eight, seven, five out of 10, mm-hmm. which is a nice strong store, a uh, score, I should say. Uh, it's currently sitting around like a an 85 on Metacritic, which is also really good. Still to this day, which has been a a disappointing uh, thing for Supergiant fans and other platforms, the game is still only on PlayStation 4 and PC. I'd, I'd like to nominate that they re-release it on new consoles, and they use Serial's name of Maximum Pyre uh, <laughs> as, as the name. Uh, for the release, I think that'd be great. Yeah, and apparently yeah. there is a reason because I, I looked up edition. a news story uh, where Supergiant was asked about why it had not been ported to Xbox or Switch yet, and Kasavin, it was a Reddit AMA that he did in 2020, and he more I'll quote him a little bit, but he more or less summed it up as it's a lot of work and we're not a big team, like you said. It's quote it's one of those things that where 
If it weren't extraordinarily difficult for a team, we probably would have already done it. <laughs> I wonder and if they, they would be <laughs> open to having another studio port it. Yeah, Iron Galaxy, get on it. Iron Galaxy, <laughs> Digital Eclipse, like whoever. Yeah. Get, get some netcode on that multiplayer. Let's go. Not. Supergiant has that Hades money now. They can afford to have another <laughs> studio to port one of their games. They are swimming in cash every day in that office. I've, I've seen the, the, the video clips. And yeah, maybe we could get another Pyre. Maybe they can annualize Pyre as a sports series. Maybe oh, that's right. Pyre 23. Pyre 20, yeah, Pyre 23. <laughs> until until how... they lose the Pyre franchise and have to yeah, go until, and it, No, it, I mean, this right, right they're just going to... Yeah, EA is just going to replace the FIFA name with Pyre is what's going to happen. It's, they're just going to adopt Pyre as their soccer franchise. And they're just going to... Uh, we don't want to work with real players and actual licensing. What if we just made it all up and it was a fantasy thing? Like, what if it was a dog work? in the game? We've been exactly. what if you, out our narrative. What if Messi was a dog? What if Messi was a dog? Oh, yeah. This... Messi's definitely ascending at some point. <laughs> he keeps begging for it. And he just keeps like, which one more season, please. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that is the, the the story of Pyre. Like we mentioned before, go play it. If it's on one of the two platforms yeah. that yeah. it's on, if you own it, check it out. It's play, awesome. Play it on PS4 or PC. Uh, actually let me know if anybody else has issues with the ps5 version uh because that's i don't know it's kind of odd i don't know why i'm having those issues but yeah it doesn't look like it's like it's deck verified yet but i'd be curious to see if it how well it works because sometimes it it, a a game can not be verified and still actually work pretty well so i'd be curious to see if anyone's tried to play it on steam deck but i think they should they, if, if they're not going to port it to the Switch, they should at least try to see if they can't get it to work well with Steam Deck. Because I think that, that seems like a perfect uh, kind of avenue for this game to have a resurgence. Because I think the, a lot of people missed out on it because they didn't want to play it on uh, on PC. Or, you know, they just didn't pick up the PS4 version and it's kind of hard. And I think there's a lot of overlap between Switch users and Steam Deck users. So, yeah. definitely, if, if it works, uh, I would probably do that research. But if it if it if there aren't any issues... Um, definitely pick it up i think it i think it is a fantastic game especially if you like 80s now like their whole back catalog is is all killer but like i think pyre is definitely like the game that feels the most like 80s to me in terms of like the, all of the things that you came to hades for like the world building and how that uses with the gameplay i think is most present in pyre yeah i like and the benefit of being able to take the game to go is that you can ask strangers their advice on who you think you should send home this exactly. this season like do you think this goat woman or this worm guy who would you <laughs> want to nice. keep around <laughs> uh, that's right oh yeah well th- that wraps up another episode of video gameography which means we have one game left which is you know we've mentioned it multiple times in this podcast uh hades tune in next week we got a uh, joe grote the it, what is i don't even know all the nicknames that the alexes have given her for oh. the the inquisitor right. of indies the the uh in emperor of indies but with an eye because it has to be yeah yeah, emperor with an eye imp like imp the creature (laughs) which is uh, (laughs) right that's good i think i think uh yeah so she's gonna be joining us to uh talk about all things hades um but thank you gentlemen for joining me thank you so much cereal for uh carving out time to sit down and thanks for having me yeah and if people want to reach out to us on uh, social media, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Marcus Stewart Seven. That's the number seven. Yep, I'm at I'm on Twitter at John underscore Carson. I'm uh, on Twitter at Surreal Vasquez. Just uh, no, 
I've, I don't think that I don't have any like extra punctuation, just like my full name, no space. You were the first. That's right. Perfect. I was the first person who I definitely did not try to get Suriel and have and see some <laughs> some other politician ticket. And I, well, I guess I could just use my last name. too. Four, six, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that was my other my other all. Yeah. <laughs> I have a bunch of alts are all just my name in different numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything you want to plug? Serial, are you working on? Are you want to throw out there? Uh, no, just I'm available for consulting, I guess, if you're a game publisher who needs consultation on their game and, and uh, are looking for someone to give you some advice about how your game could be better, uh, I guess hit me up. You know, it's same Twitter handle, I guess, and email address is, the, is that at Gmail. So, yeah, you already mm-hmm. heard. If you want your game to be good, talk to Serial, is what you said. Yeah. One of the best minds in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate uh, all of your opinions. I appreciate you being here, Surreal, and it's always a pleasure to see you and talk to you. Um, yeah, thank you. thanks for having me. I really appreciate yeah. being on. Yeah. And yeah, so, uh, and also, you can hit us up at uh, podcast.gameinformer.com, put a video gameography in the uh, subject line so we know it's for us with any uh, questions, comments, corrections, if we got something wrong, or just, you know, if you're nice, just Say a nice thing about us. We always like that. Yeah. And shout out to the Video Gameography channel and the Game Informer Discord. We love you guys. We appreciate all the f- kind things that you guys say about the show. You know, keep it coming. Let us know if there's anything you want to hear, any uh, season ideas. And we will be announcing the topic of Season 6 next week at the end of our Hades episode. So tune in. It's a really fun series I, I think you're going to get a kick of. You know, I don't want to. Te- I don't know if I should tease it or not. I don't, but... I don't know how we could tease it without. I think we would accidentally spoil it. So let's let's leave it for next week. It's a fun series of video games, that's for sure. <laughs> Nailed. It's it. all I got. <laughs> Very natural. And un- yes, thank you. Yeah. And until then, guys, we'll uh, keep you posted. Tune in next week, and have a good one. Bye bye. Keep your pyres lit.